Hey, you're listening to the 60 Helmets Kickstart Podcast, the Monday Falling Red Bud. I'm Don Maeda, joined by co-host Chase Curtis as Mike Antonovich is in home sweet home somewhere in Illinois or something, hugging his mom and dad. But we're, <laughs> we're joined in house today by uh, the seven deuce deuce Adam Entignap. So hey buddy, yeah, thanks for coming Yeah, what's down. up? Heck yeah, I'm stoked to be here. It, uh, it's been a while, dude. I've been dude, asking you to come. And I know, it's been, it's been like... Uh, like way too long actually i think this has been going on for like four or five weeks now and it just like i've been in town and i just come up come down you know i got some suspension stuff but it just never really happened and for yeah. some reason it clicked i think last time it was your birthday right yeah so, it was so it was we, my birthday we, we couldn't play that? for that yeah <laughs> so hey so uh I, i'm assuming you're not doing the races but you're watching them right yeah no i'm i'm definitely watching them the races the racing in the 450 class has been unbelievable i mean the lights racing is always good um i'm a big ac fan so it's been mm-hmm. cool to see him doing good i seen him go off the track i'm not sure um <laughs> what was the deal i don't know if he should have got docked this weekend but um that's a that's for the officials to say but you know it's insane how good the racing in the 450 has yeah. been and how many different guys have been coming up and doing good you know week in and week out and you really just don't know who's gonna be the guy the weekend definitely hey so the the ac thing like they they penalize him because he was still pinned going down that grass thing right yeah but but here's the thing i think more so they penalized him because they didn't penalize him in colorado which he did the totally right thing in colorado but i feel like if they didn't penalize him they would have got flack for yeah i mean you got a great point and i think that kind of i watch a lot of basketball too don and Mm -hmm like one of the things is you watch those guys and in basketball you'll see like a foul happen and the ref will miss it and then you'll see the player go hey dude that guy that guy grabbed me and i think you're right i think you know with that incident in colorado they complained and they didn't dock them so the a the ama officials were like really watching that and then adam did that move and they're like gotta do it this time Mm -hmm. yeah gotta gotta dock them i don't know what chase you saw that so a fan (laughs) <laughs> sent me a video that he shot on his phone and he yeah. was right there and you saw that right? yeah, yeah. it's got to be hard though when you're in that racing mindset to just let off and cruise like there's that's got to be difficult for you guys to just oh i'm off the track i'm gonna cruise and then get back on i don't i don't know there's, it was a straightaway though <laughs> yeah you know yeah, what i mean i yeah. could and see if, downhill yeah i could yeah. see if it was you know where he made up a significant amount of track mm-hmm. or even like even if like he was going um slow but then cut a kind of part of the track to get behind it was just it literally was just like a straightaway Mm -hmm. and he came off like it was right after the finish and Mm -hmm. he just came off wide open got back on the track and was back into racing mode i mean did he gain any positions technically he lost i mean i thought that was kind of the rule but yeah yeah i I don't know but like the 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 video that we got sent to us was way different than what you saw on TV. Yeah. On TV, it looks like he just flew off the track, but he was swapped out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And flew off the track. And it was amazing that he didn't crash. He yeah. did it twice, though, didn't he? Yeah. He, he earlier before that, he kind of yeah. went right off the start. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of like, I think that might be another reason, too. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was like, like why, why, are we, why is this happening so many times? Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. a hectic race, though, because then the... He almost went off the track with Colt following that, and mm-hmm. Colt went off the track. Yeah. Like, that was, yeah. I so, mean, huh. have you ever had an a, a, a AMA penalty? Um, have I? Yes, I have, actually. For what? You know what's funny is um, it was for cutting the track. 
<laughs> um, it was for going off the track, actually. Uh -huh. um, so what had happened, it was in Indianapolis, and it was with my teammate Kyle Chisholm now. Mm -hmm. um, it was for the last transfer spot in the LCQ, and it was the very last lap, and Kyle um, came in and stuffed me. And he put me off the track, mm -hmm. but it was in a spot where I could exit where the hay bales were. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I thought that I was in front of him when I exited the track. And I knew in, in my head, the rule was, you know, if you get off in the track in front of somebody, you just can't, you can't gain any positions. So I went back on the track in front of Kyle, uh -huh. you know what I mean? And I kind of pinned it to get in front of him yeah. because I knew I thought I was in front of him. But like when they went back and did like the instant replay, <laughs> like he literally had one tire nipple in front of me <laughs> when he T-boned me off the track. Yeah. So they docked me, um, I think one or two positions for yeah. that, but that was the only time I've ever, uh, had an encounter. I did one time. Um, have a long talk with Gallagher mm -hmm. about lining up my rear wheel sideways on the grate. Not this year, but the year before when they had just like the little three-inch pipe that was down the mm -hmm. center of it. Mm -hmm. I kind of was the rut was crooked and I was a little off to the left and it my tire was clearly not in the center. Like it was off to the left where yeah. it was like... But you're, um, you're trying to get in the rut clean. I was trying yeah. to get in the rut clean. And then the other thing about it was is I had the AMA official come back, look at me, and I was like, hey, is this good? And he gave me the nod. And then a different AMA official came up to ah. me while the 30-second board was turning sideways. And he was, like, tapping on my shoulder trying to get my attention. And I was like, dude, the 30-second board <laughs> sideways, I don't care what you're saying. Yeah. So I think I got more yelled at that I completely neglected the AMA officials mm -hmm. because, you know, they are the AMA officials and they deserve respect. Um, but it was a choice that I made where the 30-second board went sideways and – it was actually one of the heat races that I made the main out of. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm glad I didn't turn back. Mm -hmm. But um, let's put it this way. After that talk with Gallagher, that never happened again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was an interesting weekend. So uh, when you did get penalized for uh, the incident with Chiz, yeah. did you get that uh, verdict like right away or was it later? Um, it was it was later. Um, not much later, obviously, because it was for the main event spot. Yeah. I had yeah. actually transferred and got docked out of the main event spot. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually, if you look back in the archives on TV, I came across the finish line. You know what? It was pretty instant because I came across the finish line and I remember looking on the board and it showed my number and then they switched the numbers and that's when I rode straight over to the AMA official and started like uh, yapping my trap yeah, at him because yeah. I was like, what? What is going on? This is bullshit. I was in front of him. You know, I have the spot. I like, go look at the replay. Oh, we looked at the replay. <laughs> and he literally like, it was so crazy how close yeah. it was. You know what I mean? And it's funny. Um, Jeremy McGrath was one of the announcers that that night, and he was actually on my side. Oh yeah. Um, no, he was no. like, "Yeah, Adam did the right thing. He didn't make any passes. He got off the track. Ch Chiz pushed him off the track. But at, at the end of the day, Chiz had like literally one tire nipple ahead of mine when he put <laughs> oh. me off the track. So that's the rule. I can't imagine Chiz was in there, all fired up and protesting you, though, right? Oh no, Chiz <laughs> was just like full. Yeah, he's like, dude, you're a squid, bro. Just <laughs> do what you're going to do. I, I made the man. Goodbye. <laughs> nice. nice. So funny. Okay, so getting back to Redbud. So AC, uh, even with that dock position, still rode well enough to get second overall. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts, dude? Ferrandis is coming on hard. Just had this is 1-1. Yeah. Took over second. I mean. 
Is um, it going to be a battle to the end, or do you think Adam's going to rebound? Okay, I, I love Adam. I'm pulling for Adam. I want, like, absolutely no offense to Verandas because I think Verandas is a – um, an incredible rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he has so much talent. He's very, very fast on the motorcycle. Um, but I am a huge AC fan. I want to see AC win the championship. But, um, you know, with Ferrandis winning the Supercross championship in the manner that he did, you got to think there's a little bit of kryptonite going on on mm-hmm. that end of it. Um, as far as the rest of the season goes, AC has a lot of work ahead of him. Um, I know AC has the speed, um, 100%. I think AC is the fastest 250 rider on the track right now. Um, best day to best day, period. Um, I think Ferrandis right now just caught a hot streak, though. Mm-hmm. I think that you're going to really have to watch out for what Ferrandis is doing and um, you know keep him in check mentally because I feel like once Ferrandis kind of gets on that roll, yeah. he's always been the guy to me – that has been super super fast but would crash you know and then he hits the dirt and you're like dang that dude was going so fast but he just hit the dirt again Mm -hmm. you know and right now Ferranda seems like he's in a part of his career where he's matured out of that stage and he's Mm -hmm. trying to and he's catching his stride and redbud redbud looked like a big stride yeah so what ac has to do is he's got to go dungy like 100% dungy. He has to take everything that he knows. He has to put it aside. He has to put his ego aside. He has to put all of his nerves aside and say, you know what? This weekend, I'm going to do the absolute best I can. I'm going to try to beat Ferrandez straight up. And if he – it's it's such a hard game because there's one end where you have to push it enough to where you can beat Ferrandez mm-hmm. and take that mental – you know, edge away from Ferrandez, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you have to be mature enough, like Dungey was, to where if you're in first place and you've pushed it to that edge, and Ferrandez is right behind you catching you, you have to be able to take that L to think, okay, we have to win the championship. Mm-hmm. But at some point, um, which I'm not, I've never been a championship contender, you know, obviously in pro ranks, but you know, what I've seen is there has to be a point where somebody is going to break mentally and you have to um, you have to kind of decide when that's at. And I think AC really needs to push that edge right to the tip edge to where he's not going to crash and he can break Ferrandis' spirit, mm-hmm. but he has to stay within his means. And, if, and I think what I'm trying to say is he has to do it at the right time because mm-hmm. if you try to force it, you're going to push it to the edge, and you're going to have a big crash, and that's even going to give Ferrandis more edge because mm-hmm. he's going to be like, AC just pushed it so hard that I just beat him mentally and physically. Yeah. You know, So you have to be able to take that L when you need to and have the maturity enough to say, it's okay, the championship is the big picture, and today I just didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being said, there has to be a time when you have to make it happen too because you can't say that every week. You're not mm-hmm. going to win the championship with the way Ferrandis is riding, um, saying, I can take a second this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I think yeah. he's doing a good job. That, like, with his bad weekends, he's still landed on the podium. Like, has he been off the podium yet? AC? AC, no. No? So, yeah. yeah really. I mean. What do, you, what do you think about uh, Justin Cooper? I mean, he's kind of had a mediocre weekend. And yeah. Ferrandis leapfrog past him in the points. Do you think that his championship – bid is 
fizzling out a little bit, or do you think um, he's, uh, I don't. I don't want to jump the gun, honestly, but I don't see Justin Cooper as a championship contender this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Justin Cooper is one of the most talented 250 riders I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, just being 100% honest, I think the potential of that kid is um, the sky's the limit. I think mm-hmm. that what you're seeing is you're seeing a sophomore – He's a sophomore, right? Yeah. Yep. I, I think you're seeing a sophomore develop into everything that it's going to take to win a championship eventually mm-hmm. because he has the skill, he has the mentality, um, and he's learning how to um, prepare himself mentally for those wins. And he got his first win, and he kind of got that box checked. You know, that's a big box for those rookie 250 guys is getting that win. Um, that's something that can weigh on your shoulders heavy. And – I just think that he just needs a little bit more time to be a championship contender. I think you're definitely going to see more wins out of Justin Cooper this mm-hmm. year and obviously a lot more pole positions and qualifying. <laughs> um, but I think he's on a great team. I think he uh, he has a lot of great people backing him, and I think he has everything um, in his utility set to win championships in the future. I just don't see it happening this year. I really see the, the two guys that are just – above and beyond right now are Ferrandez and AC. Yeah. I've been surprised by uh, uh, Ty Masterpool, the rookie. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Ty's sick, bro. You know He's sick. Stuff. I don't know Ty personally, but I've met him a few times. Um, and I've actually ridden at his track, but that kid's a badass, dude. Mm-hmm. He yeah. hangs it out. He's another one of those rookie kids that's just, he's going to be so sick in the future. He's, you know, it's just so different because back in the day, dude, I remember when Barsha came in, um, to his rookie season, and I think he like podiumed his first race at Glen Helen on a Geico bike. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but you know, my point is that Masterpool is so young and so small. Yeah, you know, to compete, small. yes, and <laughs> small, and to compete with the guys like Adams and Terrell. Like, dude, if you see AC with his shirt off, like he's a full on man. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so is Ferrandis. Like those dudes are men. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just. It's cool to see how badass that kid is this young with mm-hmm. the little muscle he has yeah. because once he matures and becomes a man and grows into his body, that kid is just yeah. going to be insane, dude. Because yeah. he's still racing the Reds, I think, right, Ty? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't no, know. he, he won't race he the won't. Reds. So right? is he going to no. do the full season with them? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there's that rule now that the A guys can come up. Oh really? Yeah, yeah like Pierce was doing it yeah. too. That's a Pierce. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why he would race Loretta's though, because what did he get this week in sixth? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. why would why are you gonna go to Loretta's after getting six out of pro yeah. national? Yeah. And then did, he no came straight up from B, right? Yeah, he was B last year. Well, he's always been different because he's always kind of hung out back home. Like, yeah. rarely did you see him out here with the rest of the team. Yeah. So even like as far as amateur regionals, like. You'd see him at like the big ones, but that was basically it. So he might have done an A race, but from what I know, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he went B to yeah. Hangtown or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so sick. Mm-hmm. And very rarely do you see those kids do that and be successful. Like, right. yeah. you know, Ty, I feel like well, has. Dungey did it. Yeah, Dungey. Okay. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There you go. You know, a guy like Dungey did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, damn. <laughs> Live up to the hype, right? Um, but yeah, no, it's just it's cool to see the young kids that like Ty be successful this young. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do, especially at that maturity level and racing the guys he's racing. It's honestly it's unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, in the 450 class, why do you think Eli is so? Uh, it seems like he's more mentally strong 
than in Supercross. Because in Supercross, he's had some brain farts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Moto, he's like unbeatable. Um, he's obviously he's obviously not unbeatable, <clears throat> right? Um, well, I'm just saying he he's very very strong, and I think um, I think that has to do with doubt. I think that has to do with doubt within himself because he knows that he's won that outdoor championship before, mm-hmm. and I think that he has probably people in his corner telling him that he is phenomenal at outdoor. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's probably people in his corner saying, you know, you know, something we got to get off the list. Eli is getting that championship in Supercross <laughs> and checking that off. So, you know, that's one thing that's kind of lingering in his background is mm-hmm. getting that SX championship and not knowing. You know, there in his mind, an outdoor championship. It's been there, done that. Yeah. And he knows what it takes, and he mm-hmm. knows how to do it. And he's like, I've been there, and I can do this again. There's no problem. I know that at the end of the moto, I'm going to be strong because my dad's a world championship mountain bike racer. I train in Colorado. He has everything in his head mentally, mm-hmm. knowing that he's going to be strong at the end of the moto. And he knows he's always had the speed. And mm-hmm. being strong at the end of the moto is really, to me, the difference maker right now in outdoors, right? Yeah. Is those last 10 minutes. I mean, you just see Eli in those last 10 minutes. Turn it on. Turn He eats them alive. Yeah. You know, and even like Kenny, you know, you can see after that Florida race, he's mm-hmm. been struggling with mm-hmm. something. I don't yeah. know what it is, yeah. but Kenny's been struggling with something. And what was it, 12 seconds that Eli caught him in the last three laps? Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you have a guy like Ken Roxon, in front of you and you can catch him 12 seconds with three minutes to go (laughs) and you know that in your head it's something that just changes you yeah you know and and when you can do that week in and week out it's just gonna pile on Mm -hmm. and the doubt keeps going away and it keeps going away and then you have Kenny going like damn Eli caught me 12 seconds and Kenny's one of the most mentally strong guys I've ever known Mm -hmm. maybe the maybe the most mentally strong like that kid is unbelievable mm-hmm. you know what i mean and these guys are just they're top notch right now and eli has just found a way to believe in himself that little bit more mm-hmm. i mean when i was watching the race i was talking to my little brother and like these top five guys the first 20 minutes like you know it was funny back in amateur day you'd pass somebody and you knew they were done you yeah. know what i mean like you would just drop them mm-hmm. like eli would pass cooper and Cooper would be on him for like the next six laps yeah, trying to or, pass or, him back. Yeah, or yeah. passing right right back. Yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. like Cooper's gnarly at that though. Like that, but, when he latches but onto someone right after. Everybody's yeah. doing yeah, that yeah. in that top five. And like the the difference maker is the belief in the last ten minutes. Yeah. And I think that's what's setting Eli aside right now in mm-hmm. outdoors, is that that at the end he can rely on strictly fitness to pull him through. Yeah. In Supercross, it's literally 20 minutes of absolute con- you know, concentration. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and the technique <clears throat> matters so much because I don't think that the physical toll for the guys in Supercross as much as like relies as much as the mental toll in Supercross because those last five minutes of a Supercross race with mm-hmm. how chucked and messed up that track is, the concentration it takes is unbelievable mm-hmm. so and those almost... guys those guys are just clicking laps off so i think to answer your question i think the reason that eli hasn't gotten it done in supercross is because he can't rely on his fitness you know as much as he can outdoor and mm-hmm. i think he believes in his fitness more than anybody yeah, yeah. good Makes sense yeah 
Well, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, but we'll be back for more with uh, Adam Antic now. Hi, this is 250 Supercross champion Chase Sexton of the Geico Honda team. To get the most performance out of your motocross bike, make sure you're using the Yoshimura exhaust systems. Visit Yosh at Yoshimura-RD.com to see their wide line of slip-ons and complete systems for your bike today. Now enjoy the Swap Moto Live Kickstart podcast. Riders like Justin Cooper, Don Ferrandis, Eli Tomac, Adam Entingnap, Josh Hansen, and more partner with Works Chassis Lab for engine mounts and other special parts to add comfort to and enhance the handling characteristics of their bikes. With championships and race wins to prove it, Works Chassis Lab Parts provides the winning edge. Visit WorksChassisLab.com for more information. All right, we're back with the uh, 6D Helmets Kickstart podcast with Adam Entignap. So okay, we were just talking about Eli and, and the 450 class and how gnarly it is. And yeah. How about how gnarly is it that Kenny threw up in his helmet in the first round? <laughs> like, I mean, that's just, like I said, that's just a testament to his mental strength. I mean, do you how many guys out of 40 guys in that, like, be totally honest with me, Don. If you picked... If you had all 40 of those guys throw up in their helmet, how many of those would guys do you going. think would keep going? <laughs> Honestly. Not many. Not many. Not I think many. maybe four or five yeah. out of the whole, you know, out of the whole thing. Definitely. Literally. Kenny just, bleh. all right, Kenny perfect. Yeah. I feel better now. Let's yeah. go. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, it's Unbelievable. A shame was, it's a shame that he was where he was in the pat because I would have liked to have seen I know. <laughs> Slow motion replay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, coming out the helmet. Was it in? Was it on his jersey when he? Finished? I don't know. Any pictures? Or that's the thing is they didn't. Well, I guess we'll have to check Anton's photos. Yeah, huh. that would be gnarly, huh? Yeah, yeah. it would be. <laughs> I'm just. I mean, for Kenny's sake, bro. I'm just glad they got that two week break. Yeah. And yeah. then you know Chase Sexton too. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's funny. We were talking about that. Uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. When Carson came in, we were talking about the heat exhaustion stuff because yeah. Cameron McAdoo lives with Carson Mumford. Yeah. And so I was like, how's, how's Mikado? Is he all wiped out? And he's yeah. like, no. He's like, all right. And I'm like, dude, when you get heat exhaustion like that, you don't just bounce back like that. Yeah. Like the next weekend, you know? Yeah. So, um, for McAdoo to come back the way he did and still race and do yeah. okay, like, that was surprising. But mm-hmm. Sexton obviously cooked himself a little bit worse. Yeah, I mean... I don't know, dude. It's just weird too because I would have thought Sexton would have done better with the heat, considering that he, <laughs> he was, lives in Florida. He yeah. lives in Florida. Yeah, but Dahmer and I were actually just talking about this, and he made a good point. Like those guys, they're not giving their bodies time to rest throughout the week because they're yeah. constantly riding in that heat. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, I don't think, like, I think I'm pretty sure I saw one of the TLD guys and one of the Yamaha guys didn't even ride this week, mm. just because they're letting their body rest. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be gnarly when you're riding in the heat constantly. It's funny, too, because that whole theory about, you know, everybody goes back to Florida to train or anything. Yeah, totally. You know, and Star Guys are here, and mm-hmm. Dylan and Cooper are doing just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really, really just believing in your program. You know yeah. what I mean? I think, you know, one of the big things that I learned from Kenny, um, from training with him two years ago, is that you have to believe in what you're doing whether it's right or wrong Mm -hmm. and that's what kenny was so good at is if he believed that he needed to do something or he believed that he needed a certain something he would just do it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and there's a there's a lot to say for that because sometimes you know um you know sometimes eating a donut for breakfast the morning of race day isn't the right thing but I guarantee you, if you believe that eating that one donut for breakfast <laughs> that morning and you win every time, and you just mentally believe that, yeah, 
that donut is going to make you win. But then again, for the guy who thinks that eating is absolutely everything for his program, if he went and had a donut for breakfast, he would probably do the worst he's ever done. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's whatever, it's really whatever way you look at it and what way you can get it done. Mm-hmm. Did you bring up the donut as an example because Dahmer's sitting over there? <laughs> I, did, I did it, but that's you know, he funny. Eats, he eats donuts between motos. There you go. <laughs> Come on. Flex seems, on him, baby. Flex on him, baby. Seems to work out. But uh, All right, so the guy that's catching momentum in the two, 450 class is Marvin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like yeah. he's, I mean, he had that bad bad luck crash where the bike was yeah. pinning him down. Yep. And he's lucky he didn't get burned by the pipe, yeah. right? How about him jumping right back up after that? I thought yeah. he was hurt for sure, but he just jumped right up. Dude, flexibility, bro. He was doing the life. <laughs> Straight up. Like, I'm falling and I can't get up. <laughs> and, then, and then second moto, he was what, a second faster than everybody else? Yeah. 208 yeah. fastest lap time? Just oh, gone. versus 209.3 for yeah. Tomac? Like, mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. What? I think uh, watch out. You think the Frenchmen are on fire. <laughs> yeah, the DV's guys, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what DV's telling. You know, it's kind of funny. That Does DV train Marvin too? Yeah, but he's out oh, here. Really? Through, he's out here through the week, like in California with Ferrandis, which is always weird yeah. to me. Like, I wonder how often he's over there with Marv. Yeah, I would say not often. Yeah, but maybe it's more of a Supercross thing. I don't mm-hmm. know. But it's funny that DV's like a coach. He's obviously a. Uh, technique coach right yes for sure i don't remember him being this gnarly fitness guy when he was racing yeah no i don't think he is a fitness guy i think he's just purely technique Mm -hmm. yeah you know what i mean um i've seen him at the races talking to ferrandez and marvin uh Mm -hmm. during supercross but i really honestly i didn't even think anything of it because i thought um marvin was just full alden program you know i don't know he has dv this year still uses alden for the you yeah, know, physical for the part, physical yeah. part. Yeah, he wanted to do something different for his um, But obviously, you know, he's doing something, right? You know, even mm-hmm. when I talk to DV about Ferrandis, he's just like, yeah, he can win if he stays off the ground. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's the truth. And I think, like we were just talking about, Ferrandis has matured a lot, and he's coming into his own. And I think you better watch out for some strides right now. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right, so I saw on your Instagram, you wrote, Wash Eagle sounding like a damn good idea. So are we going to see <laughs> Are we going to see the 97 on the line? And, Dude, uh, I, I really think so. Um, I'm trying to get some funds together right now, but I'm going to go – I think I'm going to go either way. My trainer just brought it up. Um, my trainer, Taylor Selby, brought it up the other day, and he's like, Dude, are we going to go, bro? And I'm like, Dude, I've been thinking about it so much. And I was like, at the beginning of the season, I'm like, I'm not racing any outdoors. I'm just going to train. I'm just going to, you know – do what I got to do to get in shape and work my little tail off, and it just keeps getting closer. Wash Hugo and I just keep thinking in my head, I'm a, I'm a racer, dude. I'm <laughs> a racer. I want to race, yeah. and just like it's the closest one. I mm-hmm. love Wash Hugo. I want to go, dude. Yeah. Okay. So, guys are always complaining, you know, at the pro level mm-hmm. about Wash Hugo being slippery. Yes. Like, do you think it's slippery? Yeah, it is straight up. Um. It's it's weird because it's the slipperiest, tackiest track I've ever ridden. Yeah. Um, where it gets hard packed, it's mm-hmm. like literally like ice. Yeah. You know, and then where it has like that loam to it, it's just pure Tack. hookup yeah. clay. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think it's as bad as everybody makes it seem. Mm-hmm. They do such a good job at the national tracks now. I wish they'd not rip them as deep. Um, <laughs> but honestly, you know, with the watering and how good they do everything, it's just 
it's really unbelievable mm-hmm. on how good they can keep the track even when it gets hot. Yeah. You know, it's it's perfect. And too, Washougal is one of the coolest ones. The scenery is unbelievable. Yeah. I feel like everybody every year just talks about, you know, there's like, there's Redbud is always a big one. You know, Unadilla, I feel like people talk about a lot just because the history there and Washougal because the scenery of the mm-hmm. track. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those tracks that's just like, when you take a picture at Washougal, you're like, where are you? You're at yeah. a dirt yeah. bike track? Yeah. Yeah. You're you're really at a dirt bike track? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Dude, Washougal is, it's, it's awesome. Like, I, I think I went like maybe like six years in a row uh-huh. to do amateur day. Yeah. Because uh, we had these friends, the Contreras brothers, they own DC Fab. Yeah, for sure. used to make the Pro Circuit stands. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. So they had a DC Fab semi because they had a car racing team. Sick. <laughs> and so my brother and I and Rob Healy, formerly of N-Style, uh-huh. and all that whole crew, we'd load our bikes in and they'd drive them up and we'd get to race amateur day, right? So sick. And so it was super fun. The thing that stood out to me about Washougal, and especially be tough for me now, is the in and out of the trees, the light to dark. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be able to see now because I'm an old guy. Yeah. I think the biggest thing isn't the light to dark. Um, it definitely affects you, though, a lot, mm-hmm. especially the biggest part where I have a hard time seeing is, like, before the finish line, you go, um, you do, like, what is that, like, horseshoe thing at the top? What do yeah. they call that thing? Yeah, Whatever it is, yeah, there's the a horseshoe at the thing, top. Yeah. yeah, and then you come down, and it's, like, right before the finish, it's all dark. Yeah. Like, the whole last section of the track is just, like, almost pitch black and Mm -hmm. that that would be the hardest thing for me to see um luckily i have like better than 2020 vision though so i have (laughs) i have like excellent vision but the worst thing for me about washugo is the roost because the clay the the clay is so thick and tacky that when it hits you like like last year for instance like i had welts up my whole all my arms and then like all the way down the side of my chest right here i wore like a chest protector but it really only goes to like your belly button mm-hmm. and like the whole section of my stomach was bleeding you know from like little <laughs> tatter spots and then just all right here like blood marks like you, yeah. you know what i mean yeah. no like maybe worse maybe yeah. a little bit yeah. worse because it's like when you go up horsepower hill Mm-hmm. It is so painful on the start if you're not in first. And oh, I've yeah. never been in first on the start there. <laughs> so it's been painful for me every year. But once you get going and you're racing, it's it's an unbelievable track. Just yeah. the roost sucks. <laughs> you know who's been in first at Washougal? Who? Wait, what kind of goggles you are? X-Brand. Yeah. Rich Taylor. Oh, oh really? You, you've never seen that video? Oh, I'm going to have to go oh. check it out. Oh, yeah. Really? Okay, so I think it was like 87. 87 mm-hmm. um the boswell carburetors came out yeah and they were super gnarly and i remember he was like dude i'm gonna whole shot this race because ah! cr250 <laughs> with boswell come on dude he led the whole first lap and i remember he he said that if he was leading he was gonna throw the fattest whip over the chuck sun jump <laughs> dude big fat whip and then he like i want to say he kind of like lost traction in a turn and looped oh. out and high sided and knocked himself out. No way. <laughs> but it, yeah, that's you can find that on YouTube. That's my guy's claim to fame. Oh uh, dude. That's well he's done a lot more than that. But that was <laughs> but that was one of them for sure. That's RT sick. RT Lee I love that sure. he you used the carburetor for the first time and just was so confident. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back to that belief thing, Don. Yep. If definitely. you believe it, it's gonna happen. Hey so you know Washugal, did you know that in AMA amateur day racing you're only allowed to do two classes. Hmm. Huh? Isn't that weird? Right? Yeah. yeah. So, 
So, you know, we go all the way to watch you go go race and I'd be looking forward to it for so long. Yeah. So <laughs> a couple of years in a row, I'm like, ah, fuck this. I'm going to race ah. too. So I bought a separate AMA license. Yeah. Under Quando Chamalaki. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I put my address as somewhere in the Philippines. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's sick! So I raced four classes, like two as Quando. <laughs> I mean, I Quando jerseys made up. It was sick. No, you wow. did it. Oh yeah, you had Quando jerseys made you had up. Jerseys, Chamalaki number ten. Chamalaki. Oh my gosh, <laughs> pretty good. Oh, that is pretty good. Okay, so if you're uh, you're gonna show up at Washougal, um, I, I imagine you're still on the HEP Suzuki. Yep. So, uh, you know, obviously I cycle and hang out with alex quite a bit yep. i keep asking him hey are you on the team next year and he doesn't know right yeah and i'm like well why don't you know i mean i told him because he's all insecure about it I'm yeah like, totally. if they were going to have that team oh, and he's all there's a lot of good guys with no rides yeah i'm like, yeah but think about this i go if you're a, a team of that level what's more important like results you know, potential like a little bit better than what you guys are doing. Yeah. Or exposure. And I go, yeah. I would say it's exposure mm-hmm. and the reach and popularity that you have and yeah. that he has make them more valuable than someone yeah. a tick higher on the results chart. Yeah. yeah. And you know what the thing about that is too, Don, is that I think that we're all just a perfect match for the team. Yeah. I think Alex, um, myself and Kyle Chisholm, we got along so well last year. Yeah. And then, you know, We've had a lot of changes. You mm-hmm. know, we went to, um, we all didn't ride Suzuki's the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, we all didn't ride Olin's the year before. Um, Kyle and Alex had the pleasure of riding Olin's before that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, not last year, but, way before you know, way before, before, but yeah, have yeah. touched the suspension. I, on the other hand, have never touched Olin's. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, you know, any of us wore Thor. You know, yeah. um, we didn't wear 6Ds. You know, I think the only thing that I got to keep was my boots. No, because I did. I ran Scotts the year oh, before, okay, so okay. I just I switched to X brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only thing that I wore the same was boots. You know, and then the other thing was I was coming off a broken femur that I got August six. Yeah. You know, didn't get on the bike till <coughs> mid November mm-hmm. um, that year, and then Alex had that back injury. Chisholm had an ACL injury. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was kind of like one of those things where like. We're going to take a gamble. HEP took a gamble on all of us. And I think for the first year, for all of us getting on a new bike, all of us getting on new suspension, getting on new chassis, we had all new motor package. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they switched up everything from the year before. Um, And I think what their plan is, is to have us all back, keep all the same stuff, and we've been established as Team HEP. Yeah, and, and the I bikes think are all the same. Exactly. Yeah. The bikes are all the same. The gear's the same. You know, the suspension's going to be the same. And I think, and we'll have the same, you know, suspension guy doing all of our stuff. And I think it's a really great idea for mm-hmm. all of us to stay on the same yeah, team and, yeah. and develop. And I, I really, truly think their plan, that's their plan. Um, I've talked to Dustin and I've talked mm-hmm. to the team, um, the team and everybody seems on board to have the exact same guys next year and i think what you're going to see um is just an elevated year and i think what's going to be so cool about it is it's going to be a testament on how great hep is and how great all 
you know all the writers on the team are Mm -hmm. um to see us go to that next level Mm -hmm. you know people don't realize how hard it is to just completely take everything new and try to put a team together and and i know they were established a year before but Mm -hmm. you know this year it was like a real team you know they did everything they had a lot of stuff in-house we got you know everything was dialed in but it was just a first year deal Mm -hmm. and now that we have and you guys were like changing motor settings and pipes bro exhaust three changed pipes a1 yeah you know what i mean like we changed pipes a1 to because we had to figure out how to pass sound and get everything dialed in Mm -hmm. so you know we had some kinks to work out and now that all those kinks are worked out and all we get to do is you know we're already starting motor testing and you know suspension Mm -hmm. testing and stuff like that for next year i just I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to do it again and see what we can do next year because mm-hmm. I think it's going to be just that next level and it's going to make HEP and Suzuki look really good when we all just go up, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. So I'm stoked. But I even like I only went to two or three races this past year, uh-huh. but even just being around your guys's pit like the the atmosphere and the environment are so positive like you guys just mesh well together Dude, so. the fans yeah the fans like yeah. crazy yeah yeah i mean the it is definitely one of the benefits i mean we had like literally a line of fans every single mm-hmm. round like a Al- full alex says line. they're all there for you <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not all there for me but you know what i mean we're a team and that was what was so cool is like you know i got to pull my weight um bringing some fans in um you know, Chisholm was really like our test guy, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, getting everything dialed in and kind of, he <laughs> he was like the mature one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was like the man <laughs> no, of no, the no. team. But by the end of the season, he was talking shit. Ah, he was, but he you, was you, cool. He was yeah. comfy. He was you know what I mean? But him. like the cool thing about Chiz was like he got what needed to get done, mm-hmm. done. And he could do that for us. And that experience that Chiz brought to the table mm-hmm. was amazing. And then you had Alex always the life of the party and then stepped it up from his last year and was getting it done every single week in and week out and was consistent you know and now i think what they're thinking is if we can all just take that next step up yeah dude our team's gonna be looking good hep is gonna be on the map even more mm-hmm. chase do you know what hep stands for isn't it isn't it a, a nut company or something well, <laughs> is george holland who's, who's the e um and I'm, I'm gonna hack it. It's Enzeriac, or it's really, really close. I have okay. it's Billy. But, okay. Um, and then pipes. Yeah. So Dustin pipes is owner, yep. uh-huh. or it's his dad. Or? Um, kind of. I think it's a little bit of joint. Um, Dustin does all the work for the team. He's yeah. the manager. He gets all the sponsors. Um, I think Aaron helps out. Um, but Dustin's really he's putting in the work. Okay. What I want to know is why isn't a bigger deal made about George Holland being a part, yeah. part owner. Do you know who George Holland is? I know who he is because I've heard the stories when you first found out that was what AJP was about. Yeah, like yeah. Holland was 125 national champion a couple of times in the, yeah. in the mid to late 80s, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Team Honda. And, Absolutely. <clears throat> dude, it's funny. It's my – so in 88, I got an RM250, uh-huh. and Rossi was uh, – uh, Suzuki was using KYB at the time, uh-huh. so Rossi was heavily involved with Suzuki. Yeah. And he got me one of George Holland's helmets. Yeah. It was like a Rai helmet, the two-piece one. Yep. And it was painted by Serrano. Mm-hmm. It was so sick. It was blue <laughs> and yellow. And Serrano was the guy that would paint the sponsor's logos on the visor. Yeah. Instead of putting a sticker on and clear Totally. Coating. Yeah, yeah. So it was like a uh, yellow and blue Rai helmet and it had wow. a Fox logo on and everything. Totally. 
and Rossi got it for me, and I like went out and bought Fox gear and all that stuff <laughs> just so I could match the helmet. Yeah, but, totally. Yeah, I used to ride in George Holland's helmet. Wow, it was pretty cool. But <laughs> but uh, so does George come to the races at all, or is um, he just an investor? To be honest, I don't think I've seen him once. You've never <laughs> like I met think him? he's been to the races, but yeah. I've like. Not really. Like, I, I talk to Billy all the time. Uh-huh. Like, Billy's super cool dude. Been over to his house. You know, we, we went to, like, a pool party after in Vegas. We're going to mm-hmm. do, you know, July 3rd party. Freaking, he's super, super involved. Super mm-hmm. cool guy. But I don't really know George that much. Yeah. That's crazy because he was, he was like the quiet dude when he was racing, you know? Like, I mean, he was, he won his championships and yeah. he just retired. And then mm-hmm. you never saw him again. Yeah. You know, and um, like. Just went yeah. into doing yeah, the almond thing, bro. Yeah, because like making money. Because uh, HEP helped Talon previously, right? Yeah. Yep. Talon LaFontaine, yeah, yeah. rider. And he was telling me it's this guy that used to race or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, come on, Talon. Yeah, I'm like, who a guy you? that used to race. Yeah, some guy. Dude, Holland's a legend. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, and I knew exactly who it was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so he told me that I'm like, oh, dude. And so like. I kept going by Talon's truck at the Supercrosses. This was before the HEP year. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? He was in that. He was in that like uh, toy hauler. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I kept. Is George Holland here? Yeah. Yeah, Because I wanted to meet him, but never saw him. Yeah. So like, do you guys get like almonds in? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) They send you almonds. Oh yeah. They don't send us almonds. They just have almonds on the rig all the time. But it's not. (laughs) That's not nut up, right? That's no, no. That's a totally different thing. Nut up is like a, um, kind of. Like they're their own thing. Yeah. Um, What's George's? Holland? Holland and um, Billy, they are nut distributors. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. they don't. I don't know if necessarily <laughs> like they're. Ch- big Chase is deal. a nut distributor we're, we're in California. Distribu- <laughs> 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 oh shit! Okay. Well, yeah. They um they package the nuts and they get them to the places to sell them to the companies uh-huh. to bag them. Cool. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Yep. So, dude. Uh, uh, you're talking about the team, Warren Thor, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So I know you and Alex are in the 60s. Yep. What is Chiz wearing? Uh, is he in an LS2 or something? I don't know what it's Dude, called. Dude, he's in the Master Shredder helmet, bro. <laughs> what is his helmet? It's LS2. LS2? LS2. <laughs> it looks like um, I saw a... Master Cir- Shredder. I saw a Cirque du Soleil once, and there was these, like, they were dressed up like birds, and they had this big beak like that. <laughs> I always think of the Cirque du Soleil when I see Chiz's helmet. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. It's not the... I mean, it's a cool helmet. Well, it's just Euro, it's not, real European. Why is he not in the team helmet? I'm, I don't... Because he was last minute. He already had the I, I think so. I is think it was Chiz kind replica? of... <laughs> I, it kind of is, honestly. Is I it? think that was his deal. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I love the 60s, though. Yeah. I mean, the fit is really unbelievable. I think the only... The only thing that I don't like about the fit is that it kind of like when you pull it over the top of your head, it squeezes a little bit, but mm. it makes up for it when you put the helmet on. Like mm. I've never had any helmet fit on my head that good. Yeah, mm. it's nice. Like literally, like it's so weird how like <coughs> good it sits on your head. Mm. Yeah, it's it's you gotta if you haven't tried one, like for all you people that haven't tried one, just go to the dealership and just put it on. Mm-hmm. It's just so weird how good it fits on your head and how comfy it is. Yeah, I was just picking that one up to bring it over here, and I thought just because all the protection it had would be a heavy helmet, but it's actually yeah. pretty light. Yeah, um, I don't really, honestly, I know people care about like 
how heavy they are. Yeah. Um, not particularly the 6D, but like how heavy helmets are in general. Dude, but I've when never a helmet's really too light, that. I'm kind of scared of it. Mm-hmm. Really? I've never really, I've never really noticed like the weight of a yeah. helmet on my head. No, like, but like, I got a big uh, head and neck too. So, but like, uh, <laughs> well, I won't name any names, but like, there's some of the European helmets. Yeah. With the big vents, they're so mm-hmm. light. Yeah. It feels like you have no, a mountain bike helmet. It is a little scary. Scary. Yeah, a little bit. For but, sure. Yeah. No, I think. Uh, hey, so we're we're mountain biking later today. Yes. Are you? Do you wear a sixty trail Absol- helmet? A hundred percent. And you know what's so funny is they didn't let me down on the fit on that either. Yeah. You got to try the dang helmet. I promise you. Like, if you put one of these on, you'll be like, "This is the best fitting helmet I've ever had." Yeah. It's the, the mountain bike one's actually pretty good. That's yeah. why I was jumping so soon because I was confident. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, we're not going to oversell 6D here, but I, I truly believe that the, the fit on the 60 yeah. is, is one of the best. I'm not even trying to sell you. I'm not even trying to hype this up. I'm just, just go try it and go try it and hit me up on my Instagram and say, hey, I tried the 6D and you're right. Yeah. Or you're wrong. Whatever you want to say. Just go put the helmet on and check it out for real. Yeah. So Chase was like, jumping during the day and distributing nuts at night <laughs> Dude, okay. my let's mom uh watches this. let's take let's take <laughs> yeah. my mom watches this uh, so hey we're gonna take another quick break we'll be back for uh one more segment with adam hey everyone it's marvin Miskin from the red bull ktm racing team right now ktm is making it easier than ever to get out and ride head to your local ktm authorized dealer to take advantage of limited time offer on qualified dirt, street, adventure, and naked models, or check out KTN.com to learn more today. Shit, all right. All right. You good? I'm good, bro. Come on. All right, hey, we're back for uh, more with the 6D Helmets Kickstart Podcast with Adam Entenat. We're back. And in break, you told me that you're tying the knot in September, huh? Yep. Oh. Tying the knot, bro. September is uh, three months away? Uh, yeah. Two months? Two months. Two and a half, yeah. Okay. So how is it? Are, are you doing any of the planning? Or is oh, your, yeah. your sauce doing oh, it? Yeah. yeah, no. Um, it's, it's mutual for sure. I have, like, you know, my specific things that I'm doing. Like, I get the DJ. I'm getting the food. Um, we did the venue together. Um, she's going to do like the lights and the decor type of stuff, but mm-hmm. I got like the officiant and some stuff like that. You know, I would say more guy stuff to do. I did, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Just to make sure. If I had to guess, you know, it's going to be, you know, the black tuxedos and I'm guessing the complimentary color would be gold. <laughs> you were pretty close. Honestly, there is going to be gold accents, but she wants, um, black on black wedding. Oh yeah, oh, yep. Sick. That's nice. what she wants. So well, the boys are gonna be looking snazzy. Coming <laughs> but you're right. We are gonna have like gold. Uh, um, God, what do you call those stupid things? Oh, the plates, but not the plates. What are the the plates under the plates? The saucers. The, the it's the, They have a certain word for them, but yeah, yeah pretty much a saucer. <laughs> Just like a gold accent. It looks yeah. pretty dope, though. Nice. You guys getting married up in? Uh, yeah, Builton, Builton, nice. California. Oh, uh, dude. At this place called the Brick Barn. It's pretty <clears> sweet. Builton. Yeah. I, I love that town, dude. Dude, mm-hmm. I live, I like, honestly, it's so funny because I've been around the world, Don, and I can't find another place as good as that Lompoc Builton area, mm-hmm. like yeah. Santa Barbara. Because, like, Builton and Lompoc are, like, just far enough away 
where I don't have to hit the traffic. Mm-hmm. Then I'm just far enough away where I can go back down south and I can go stay down south whenever I need to. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Not too far. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the other thing is I can go up north pretty easy too. It's yeah. not mm-hmm. too far. You know, and then you got the beach 10 minutes from the house mm-hmm. and then there's no traffic. Yeah. yeah. Like I got yes people no traffic <laughs> it's unbelievable at four o'clock i can breeze right home don't even trip it's crazy you know in santa barbara is getting packed now but like i'm yeah. right far enough away from santa barbara where yeah, i can definitely. go there all the time and get what i need to get done and be in real civilization mm-hmm. and then come back come back to Bealton law book area and chill out all right do you eat aj spurs all the time, bro. Dude. Yes. AJ's is bomb. No, you know what's even better than AJ's, though? It's Hitch and Post. Hitch and Post. Gotta go to Hitch and Post. Go to the one in... Right before it? Yes, it's right next to it. Okay. But, like, um, they do some of the best steaks I've ever had. Like, ever. Nice. Don yeah, had a like, ton of steaks last week. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> hey, here's, here's a good AJ Spurs story. Let's hear it. Okay, so Anton... Anton is our resident vegan, right? Yes. Like, does it? Oh God! You You took him to AJ Spurs. (laughs) Well, well, we we before Zacha closed, we used to all go make this pilgrimage there on New Year's Eve. We'd ride, and then New Year's Eve we'd go to AJ Spurs and and have dinner. Yep. I mean, dude, he could have got salad. There's a lot of salad vegetable dish options there, right? Yeah, but AJ, it's like okay, but, but wait, go ahead. The dude goes. From being a moral vegan, (laughs) does it for for ethics, right? Yeah, totally. Because he loves animals. You know, we're all there with this table of like 18. He orders that freaking like four pound steak that you, if you eat it, you get a t-shirt. What's it called? The The gambler. gambler, Yeah, Yeah, Dahmer and, and Anton or the gambler. And I'm like, dude, are you serious? You ordered the gambler? He's all, I just, I just, gotta do it. Right? That, that's what he says. He pounds the whole thing. Right? What? Anton. Anton ate the oh. whole gambler. No, he didn't. Did. Wow. Did you take a video? Dude, I'll show you a picture on my phone of you with him with the steak. He looks like Rick Astley more than ever. He's like, got his knife and fork and he's all, all happy. <laughs> he ate the whole thing, right? Ate the gambler. Yeah. And I'm like, dude. Your poo is going to be like toothpaste for like four months. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, because you don't eat meat. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, about a month and a half later, he's he goes to a Morrissey concert, right? Yeah. But he goes by himself. Uh-huh. It's like his wife didn't want to go. Yeah, so yeah. he likes Morrissey uh-huh. enough to go to a concert by himself. Wow. Okay. And I get this call. I'm, I'm fast asleep. I get this call yeah. at 12, 12, 15 or something. I'm like, hello? It's like, hey, it's Anton. <laughs> I, I might need you to pick me up. They, they might not let me go by myself. I'm all, what? What happened? He goes, oh, t- oh, well, I'm in the medical, uh, I'm in the medical station <gasps> no! at the forum. And I'm all, no! what? what? What's wrong, Anton? And he's like, well, Morrissey was singing Meet His Murder. Oh, no. You know the Meet His Murder song? Yeah. yeah. So they're singing Meet His Murder and they're playing the video on the screen of all the chickens getting their heads cut off and the and the cows getting killed all inhumanely and he goes and i started thinking about that big steak that i ate on new year's and then i started thinking about my dog and how much i love him and how i hate for anything to happen to him 
And I fainted. <laughs> no way! Yeah. And he hit his head. Oh, on, shit! He hit his head on the concrete floor and got a concussion. Dude, that's why they call us <laughs> the gambler, bro. <laughs> it's a gamble, dude. He lost that. Oh, that. he did. He didn't roll a seven, did he? Yeah, oh, some bitch. That's a snake eyes if I've ever seen it. Damn. So, so yeah, so that's... Poor Anton. I've been to AJ Spurs several times since, and every time I think about... You got to get the gambler the every gambler. time after that, right? <laughs> yeah, we're making Anton pass out. But, uh... Dude, yeah. that's a gnarly little story. Yeah. How long I can't believe that? he passed out. Yeah, he fainted. How many, how many years ago was that? Three years? Three years, maybe? Yeah. Wow. That's gnarly. Is he, has he eaten meat since? Oh, yeah, dude. He really? slips all the time. Yeah. He does? Wow. He slips all the time. He acts like being vegan is like a diet. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I cheated today. Yeah. I had a steak. <laughs> yeah. Shit. But, uh, all right, so getting back to the uh, the Washougal prep. So A-Ray raced the Fox Raceway National. Mm-hmm. And I think his bike was set up poorly or something. Yes. Um, will you put more testing time into getting your bike set oh up yeah for sure i mean you're obviously riding moto right now yes so you, um, you should have your bike set up. yeah no i've already talked to clark um talked to the owens boys we're gonna try to test all this week and then i'm even gonna try to test later next week and get the you know get the suspension just dialed in it was just so close after supercross and we mm-hmm. didn't kind of it was kind of like a last minute thing for um alex to do fox yeah. national and yeah. they were just like did the day they kind of did what they could with what they had mm-hmm. and um it was just not quite right yeah. um so we're gonna we've already i've already gone through probably four settings okay. um that have gotten immensely better yeah. you know just knowing the right direction to go um so I'm going to try to do a week of testing this week with uh, mm-hmm. Clark. Hopefully hit a couple days, you know, a couple good days with him. Yeah. Um, excuse me. If not next week, um, hit a couple days next week too. So yeah. I'm excited. Um, the Olin stuff works really good. Um, once you get it all dialed in and you just figure it out, it's different. It's not It's not show. It's not KYB. Mm-hmm. So you got to set it up like it's Olin's. Yeah. And I th- that just took a little bit to figure out. Is Clark uh, still calling himself Nolene? Yes. Yeah. Nolene J6. Nolene. Do you know that they made the best YZ250 pipe ever made? Really? Dude, you, there's no pipe that's oh, ever been better. I've heard than about this, actually. The Nolene yeah. YZ250. Yeah, no, dude. Um, Clark um, is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He is one of the smartest, um, best suspension guys I've ever met, for sure. He drives a mule kind of crazy, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, he he scene. does. He's, he's definitely a crazy old man, but he knows how to get the crazy. job done. And... Um, He's been in. He's been in the sport forever, mm-hmm. and um, he's really dedicated uh, to the team, and he's really dedicated to us. And I really, um, I love how much passion he has for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's cool because when you talk to him, um, I feel like when you talk to him, he really looks at you, and you feel like what you're saying matters to him. Yeah, like you know what I mean, and that makes a difference mm-hmm. because you know I've talked to a lot of people that you tell them something and it's almost like they've already disregarded what you're saying um, and they kind of have an idea of what they want to do instead of taking your input and being like, hey, this is what I want to do, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I will we'll take what you're saying, take that to account and we'll do an adjustment accordingly. Yeah. When you're talking to Clark, he soaks in absolutely everything you're saying. Mm-hmm. Then he says, he asks you a few questions. Then as a team, we make you know, a judgment, 
He mm-hmm. tells you the options that you have. He tells you his option of what he thinks should be done and why. Mm-hmm. I get to say, this is what I think should be done. And then we come to a mutual agreement of what we're going to do. And it's worked out very well. Nice. What uh, <clears throat> What's the hardest thing about setting up a bike for you? <sighs> the hardest thing like, about what are you setting up a bike. Um, I think the picky i'm picky about everything yeah um i tell you right now though i i can't ride a bike without the bars without specific bars on them yeah i gotta have um a little bit taller bar with no crossbar just right off the bat because um i'm so tall when i get on a bike with like lower bars it feels like the front end sometimes might be too soft and it it might not be too soft because mm-hmm. the front the my arms are kind of stretched down and mm-hmm. it feels like I'm over the front of the bike. So that's one of the biggest things, but really everything. Um I'm very, very meticulous about setting up my bike and doing testing. Um I like to um test one thing, uh test the thing that we were testing before and then go back and test it again and then test the thing we were testing before and then go back and test it again just to really make sure and then another thing um scott bennett taught me um the guys from showa is that you know you can't do two laps you know you can't just go make a decision real quick Mm -hmm. you gotta really ride a bike and i think i think that's um something that people don't do often enough yeah we see a lot of guys go out and test something for like a half lap yeah yeah like remember like chase and i went to Carson's place up in the high desert. And the yeah, Echo mm-hmm. team was testing. Yeah, and like I was trying to shoot pictures of Christian. He was like one lap. Yeah, you get like a jump and then you go back in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, and the thing about it is the um, you you ride something and you as a rider you kind of know what's good and what's bad. So mm-hmm. there's been sometimes where I get on the bike and I ride it and I'm like, wow, that was a bad setting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but like for for instance, this weekend I was testing out of Castillo's and I had a suspension setting and I got back on the track and I was like, oh, this is worse. But I did, you know, a 20 minute moto on it. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? This feels worse, but I'm going to do a 20 minute moto and um, just work it out. I'm going to ride it. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to see what I have to do to make this setting work. Mm -hmm. Then I went back and I was like, okay, I think that's worse. And I went back and I turned my clickers back to where they were. And I went back out and I was like instantly felt like I had more traction on the original setting. But then I was like, hmm, this was really good in these spots. You know what I mean? And I was like, so... If I really like this, you know, maybe I can do this, this, and this to kind of get that happy medium of where, you know, original and the second setting that I had. Because it was so good in some of the corners where it was stuck on the original setting, and then it was so good through some of the kickers on Mm. the second setting. Mm -hmm. I was like, holy crap, okay, I definitely need a little bit more than that because I noticed where I could keep my momentum up and change those lines a little bit better with the second setting over the original setting. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the original setting had its perks too. But you just got to put more time and and more thought into what you're doing and really analyze, is this better or is this worse? And Mm -hmm. where is it worse and where is it better? Because you can toss something out that Mm -hmm. could lead you to going the right direction you know sometimes it's not about just going from bad to really good because nowadays 
um, if I can make up a half a second, I get the five spots that I need to be in the main event every mm-hmm. single night. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm not looking for a magic cure because that's just it's not going to happen there is no magic cure for a dirt bike there's little strides and each time you make a little stride forward you're going to get a little better and you're going to find that direction that you want to go so don't just a shit real quick yeah put the time in put the work in (laughs) you know great things come with hard work yeah is it harder for you to set up a bike for supercross or outdoors neither they're the same same um it's it's just time uh-huh. you know it's uh, and and being on a new bike you know you got you have a full mm-hmm. you have a whole new base uh-huh. you know what i mean so that's been tough too uh-huh. you know you got to figure out how to ride the bike fast first of all and then where you need it to do certain things you know with my honda i kind of knew that pretty good i knew uh-huh. i knew it like the back of my hand i knew what base was and i knew which direction i wanted to go with the suzuki you know we kind of had to figure out where the base was and then find uh-huh. the direction we wanted to go and i think we did you know, by the end of the season, find a really good direction, and mm-hmm. it's cool that we get to kind of keep going with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was the uh, was the two lit bike? Was that a Honda or was that a Suzuki? No comment. No comment. <laughs> no, right. no, it was a Honda. It was a Honda. And, and is that bike on display somewhere or was it? Um, no, so, it's actually not. It was Honda's bike, and uh, I gave it back to him. But I do have the seat. I have the seat, and I have every single part to. Um, make that bike if I ever wanted to again. Ah. <laughs> so it's pretty cool because you know all that stuff was so one off yeah and Honda was kind of like you know we just want it back original if you want to take all the parts off of it cool mm-hmm. they were really stoked on that project which yeah. was cool um but um it was that was such a cool little experience for me dude the whole my bike's too lit yeah. program was fun and it's cool that it's just you know it's cool that you're asking me that if it was a honda or suzuki and yeah, i think that's what's so great about it is um that's why i made the song is because yeah. anybody's bike can be too lit and that's mm-hmm. what was so cool about it is it's not when i'm singing the song i wanted people to sing it intentionally to sing ain't nobody's bike as tight as mine because it's not so much that my bike was the coolest bike in the world yeah. it's that no matter what you have or what you, you ride your bike Mm-hmm. Yeah, your bike's too late, bro. <laughs> Sometimes when I see a cool bike now, and I think, "Oh, that bike's sick," that song ends. <laughs> so sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, our our test rider and his dad are in your video. <laughs> <laughs> Cody Witz and John. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so awesome. <laughs> Dude, that was such a fun day, bro. When we had all the kids and all the parents and all that stuff at Milestone, and I like sent out that mass text and everybody showed up. I mean, that was just, it was unbelievable, (laughs) dude. It was so surreal. So sick. I can't wait for the next project. We're working on something big right now. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, how is the, uh, how is the musical side of your career going? And how seriously do you take it compared to your racing? You know what's so funny is like, I don't um I haven't taken it seriously at all really. I just did it as like a hobby, but mm-hmm. now um there's been some steps that I can't really talk about um that happened in Nashville um <laughs> that are going to be I think a big game changer. Mm-hmm. Um I think we'll be kind of exploiting what's going on in about the next month, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um if everything goes accordingly, which um it did go accordingly i just flew back to nashville um about a week and a half ago and was there for three days um doing some stuff with those guys and i'm just really excited for the future and i think what's so cool about music is it's just 
I think it's going to elevate my whole goals ever since I've gotten into this sport is to elevate my career and this sport. Mm-hmm. And I think with what I'm doing with the music and the writing, I think with what I just did in Nashville and the song that's coming on, mm-hmm. um, I think it could be something that could not only grow my career and my brand, but HEP and Supercross mm-hmm. as a whole, um, if it goes the way I think it's going to go. And I have some backers that are behind me um, with this new song that have some pretty big power so um just fingers crossed yeah you know and hopefully we can we can make supercross a better place yeah yeah because you're bringing people from like that are into music into the sport like i know kids i went to high school with yeah that heard the two lit song and like dude i want to ride that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying so i mean it's just sick dude Mm -hmm. and that's what i've always wanted to do you know Mm -hmm. it's it's unbelievable how much music touches people because Mm -hmm. you know not everybody can go um buy a dirt bike Mm -hmm. not everybody can go to milestone and ride on a wednesday not everybody can go to supercross or even buy a supercross ticket you know but everybody can buy a 99 cent song and jam it in their truck (laughs) and pretend that their bicycle's too lit and put some (laughs) fake louis v stickers on it you know what i mean and cruise down the thing thinking they're the dopest dude on the block you know what i mean singing my bike's too lit and that's really what it's about it's not because my bike had a louis vuitton seat or gold little louis vuitton things or gold rims whatever carbon tips on my pipes it's about (laughs) having thinking that you got the sickest bike and having fun yeah Wait, let's take one more break, and then uh, we, we can't clip it off here. We gotta talk about it, you know? But uh, we'll be back with more of that. Cool. In 2013, six D helmets forever changed the way we think about motorcycle safety helmets. With its patented omnidirectional suspension system to help absorb rotational impacts, the original ATR1 helmet swept through the industry and was received with open arms by riders and racers alike. The new 6D ATR2 and ATR2U are even better than the original and carry a limited three-year warranty and a unique technology that allows the helmet to be rebuilt after most crashes. Visit 60helmets.com for more info. All right, welcome back to the Kickstart Podcast presented by 60 Helmets. We have Adam Entick-Nap in the house. And, dude, why don't you have, like, some AKA name? Like I do, AKA 70s Deuce. Oh, okay, well. Right? Well, I mean, that, or no, is that my just Deuce, real name? That's just your real name. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, think I haven't, like... Ralph calls me Seven Deuce Deuce on TV. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he doesn't <laughs> even say Adam Entick now. So it's it's a hundred percent mainstream. That's my real name. I'm probably gonna get it legally changed like Ocho Cinco did, but whatever. That's another story. <laughs> okay, so did I hear correctly that you also like can sing real well? Like not just rap, but like your country singer too. Um. <laughs> Oh, we're we're working we're working on a project right now. Okay, we're working on something um, that's gonna be big. Mm. I think it's gonna it's gonna be real big. I can't I can't I wish I could give more details, and I'm so excited about it. I want to let the genie out the bottle, (laughs) but I promised to people, and I've kind of you know what I mean. It's one of those things that there could be some singing, there could be some excellent stuff, and some professional production in the future that's on another level. You uh, you you need to get in the top fifteen in points so that you could get your own song played in opening ceremony. Yes. I that's in. Oh man, I want to. It's I can't. We're gonna hold on. We're gonna hold on just for a minute. Okay. All right. All right. So then I have a request slash goal for you. Okay. 
the next rap song you write, yeah, you need to throw in some line about being a nut distributor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gonna have to be uh, one of those explicit huh? rap songs for yeah. sure. Well, you could be talking about almonds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. that's what metaphors. we're talking about. Metaphors. Yeah. yeah. Metaphors. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, in the break, I was talking to you about like we were at Zaka Station one day. My <laughs> wife and I were together, and we, were, you were, I think we were both in our cars, and you were leaving. And we rolled the window down. I was like, hey, hey, I go, this guy raps really well. Watch. I'm like, hey. <laughs> Do me a freestyle, and you ah! spit out some lines, and it made this impact on her because she knew who you were today. Yeah, because totally. of that. So we're putting you on the spot right now. Oh, jeez! Oh, come on, just got a couple lines. I don't even. What do you guys want me to? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, like, like, are you are you good at just freestyling, making shit up? Or I, I am, but like, I cuss a lot when I freestyle because <laughs> cuss words rhyme so good. <laughs> Yeah. For real though, like suck like, and duck, and it it really does. You know what I mean? Because you can really say you can really say whatever you want, um, and just end it with the last word. I mean, obviously the complexity of a rhyme consists of you know front rhymes, rear rhymes, triplets. You know, there's so many different ways to rhyme, and then there's so many different words that rhyme. If you really want to get nitty gritty, you can. Um, sometimes simplicity is best, but um, sometimes people like a little little bit of complexity you know what i, I mean dude all this front rear middle rhyme stuff that, that, ah! that that's just blowing yeah <laughs> i mean you it's just it's all the way you put your words together and i think that's what's so cool about um hip-hop and rapping is that it's you you know what i mean mm -hmm. you can do it the way you want it eminem made his own you know made his own way and all these new kids on the block with their new school rap they've made their own way too mm -hmm. and um the greatest thing about music is if you make it good, it's undeniable. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if you're you know, not saying anything. If you make it good and you make it sound good and it's mm -hmm. truly you, then most of the time it will rise and people will hear it. And I yeah. think that's one of the greatest things about music. And that's what's so cool about um, rapping about dirt bikes mm -hmm. is that I feel like I have transcended a little bit through regular people rapping about dirt bikes because I believe that the music that I've done about dirt bikes isn't cheesy and I think it's original and I think that it's believable in a sense that you know when people hear it they're not like oh this dude's this dude's fake he don't even ride you know what I mean he's a poser you know what I mean they're instead of thinking about what i'm saying and trying to decide if it's true or not i mm -hmm. think they're just listening to the music mm -hmm. and they're like dude this dude really does love his carbon fiber pc pipes you know what i mean <laughs> it's just like it's i think it's just very original and i try to keep um keep it to myself mm -hmm. and being true if there was a rap battle between you and nate adams what would the outcome be <laughs> Does he still do it? Yeah, I don't um, think he does anymore. I don't think he does, but um, somebody hit him up on Twitter and they said he said he would do a song with me. So I'd be Ooh. I'd be stoked to do a song yeah. with him. Um, I've just got so much stuff going on. Yeah. You know, I got like fifty or sixty songs just chilling right now that are on hold because we got something else going on. So mm. um, that secret thing. Yeah. The secret thing. <laughs> um, the secret thing. So we're trying to kind of figure out. Um, God, I want to talk. <laughs> it's, we're just trying to figure out direction and what we're going to do. So um, it's coming up all quick, and there's a lot of music on the way for everybody, and I think people are going to be blown away with how good it is. Mm -hmm. I think people are going to be like, 
damn, Seven Deuce Deuce is the real deal. <laughs> so just stream it. That's all nice. I can say. Just stream it. So the reason that I asked you to uh, work a rhyme into the, the nut distributor is that because one of the highlights for me, I, I, was, <laughs> I was in a Nate Adams song. Oh, were what? you really? Well, I wasn't in it, but he, he, the line was, and he said my name wrong. It's Maeda, but he said Mieta. <laughs> Mieta's in the backyard snapping digi pics of me. Oh! I'm a nice guy, so I let him do it for free. Oh! <laughs> See, that's dope, though. But that's what's, I mean, that's what's so cool about, you know, rapping is like, half the time you can say the word so janky, yeah. and people are like, ah, oh, whatever, it rhymed. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? As long as it sounds cool, it's all good. Don, my guy Don's famous. My guy Don is famous. He's a rap song superstar, bro. Oh, shout out Nate Adams for that one, baby. Come on. So come on, you gotta hook up. You gotta hook up uh, our boy Chase. All right, all right. The nuts, yeah. The nuts cashews. So do we just want Chase specifically in a rap no. song, or do we just want probably not his name. nickname? Huh? I don't have a nickname either. Uh, yeah, no. It's not the nut distributor because well, that's what you told me on the break. Cornholio. is not a good nickname <laughs> to have. That's like probably I'll, the I'll worst you, nickname I'll show in the world. picture of why he's Cornholio. <laughs> Dude, John, I'm begging you, don't show me the picture. <laughs> Please. Do. Got to do I don't, nuts. Yeah, don't want to know why he's called Cornholio. <laughs> Unless it has to do with some. Cornbread or something. I don't know. I mean, I don't even want to know that either. To <laughs> <Cornbread. count it. laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so you're down here all week riding, mm -hmm. training, testing. Yep. Hanging out. Um, I think later on today we're supposed to hit Greer today. Yep. So you need to go home and fix your flat front tire. I need to go to Royce. Yeah. Went to InCycle and got a flat. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, oh, damn. Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> Royce Cyclery, baby. Come on. <laughs> Mike's a cool dude. He is. He is cool. He flaked on me yesterday, though. Oh, did he? Mm. Yeah. Sometimes you can't always pedal. Ah, dude, he doesn't he's ride the anymore. One went, he's the one who uh, like was throwing out the invites because yesterday. Oh, really? Oh, dude, so I went. On That's a, harsh. So I went on a cruise. <laughs> I was gone for a week, right? Yeah. yeah. And oh, so, damn! Like that? No, you're no, just dude, like dude, dude. it was like a mandatory. Mexico. Oh, okay. Okay. Mandatory. Yeah, with yeah, my yeah, wife yeah. And okay. Family, yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. Got it. So I rode the life cycle every day for 45 minutes. Yep. Oh, the, dang. The food What's was up? so dang good. <laughs> I gained nine pounds oh. a week. Right? So I got off the boat. <laughs> I got off the boat, and I stepped on the scale, and my daughter bought this, like, fancy scale, right? Yeah, so it's dead you know, on. And it, and it connects to your phone on an app, right? <gasps> so you stand oh, on the scale, no. and you wait, like, 30 seconds, and it does this ding, and it tells you your body mass index, how much fat you have, how much oh, no. bone weight you have and everything. And it also keeps track of your fluctuations. Oh, Dude, instead no. of the little ding, it goes, eh, eh. and I'm all, what's that? Is it battery low? And I look at it, and it says, warning, severe discrepancy between your last weigh-in. Is this really Don Maeda? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it didn't! Yeah, and I click the yes, and it's all, ding! It's at, like, 181. <laughs> I'm all, oh, damn, <laughs> right? Cause, cause the, <laughs> My guy was eating carrot cake, uh, dog. Dude. <laughs> Dude, it was bad. So, so, I, so I came home from the cruise, and I'm like, I, I just lost it, right? And I'm like, so I text Pablo, and he's all, buddy, you got to eat eggs and spinach for breakfast, and you got to eat a salad for lunch. So oh, Pablo. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So yeah, I went yeah. gnarly. I weighed myself this morning. I'm only two pounds up. Nice. But, but, Perfect. But yesterday, 
I went I rode Skyline in the morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went to Milestone with Chase and Dahmer. <laughs> yeah. Rode Moto. And then I had my road bike in the back seat and I met I was supposed to meet Mike and we we're gonna climb yeah. Mount Baldy together. Oh shit. But he didn't show. So a three a day. Three a day. And then the, wow. day, the day before, the day he came back, we mm-hmm. went out to Greer and then he left me. Well, I got a flat, and he left me just because he was so dedicated Dang. to getting, getting the mileage in. <laughs> I just had Dang. that one number in my head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> if I went nine pounds up in a week, I'd probably do a day in it, yeah, too. Yeah, it was gnarly. <laughs> you know what the other secret was? It was like a big, giant glass of Metamucil. Really? Oh, I I had to blow out five pounds. In <laughs> yeah, perfect. It was awesome. Whatever you got to do. <laughs> 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 I don't recommend that to all you people listening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, hey, man, I, I really appreciate you coming by. Heck yeah, don't. This is your first stop in SoCal, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yep. thanks for coming by the illustrious SWAT Moto Live headquarters. Believe it. <laughs> located deep within the confines of Jeremy McGrath's Motorsports Race Shop. <laughs> Let's go. And, uh, yeah, you got to take a walk around. I yeah, dude, I got to go check it out. Really the legend. Good. Yeah, the legend. It's kind of cool saying, hey, man, man, man. My, my landlord's MC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is like super cool, actually. Yeah. But anyway, hey, Adam Etting Nap, thank you for stopping by. And uh, if you're listening and you're going to go to Washougal, make sure you cheer for uh, number 97, a.k.a. 7 Deuce Deuce. Let's yeah. go. Thanks, man. Later, guys.